in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of the top 10 i am john roca and i am matt nost we're here to bring you another movie discussion uh this week and uh i got nothing to add to the top there how are you <laughs> i'm good i'm good we're talking the top 10 rescue movies this week in honor of um 13. who is being rescued 13 the uh well, based on a lost. true story right, right. um about the the teens that get trapped in that cave in Thailand. Yeah, Thailand. From Ron and, Howard. Uh, yeah, so Ron Howard directed based on a true story. Yeah. And uh, we decided to, to do rescue movies. Um, I'm good. I got to ask you a question right off the bat. A little NBA action. We've got some conversations. Do you believe James Harden when he says, let Philly pay everybody else and whatever's left over you can give to me? Isn't this in some way? Going up against what the uh, National Basketball NBA PA would prefer players not to do, which is of to course say, it is. pay me whatever you want, whenever whatever's left over. What is uh, the point? You know, uh, what is the point is he wants to maximize, change the narrative on his legacy. Yes. Stay in good graces somehow. And maximize the championship potential of the 76ers. Okay. The Players Association would probably have a problem with it, but I don't think they'll make a stink about it. Um, okay. Yeah, but he is going to surrender something like uh, 11, 12, 15 million, something like that annually. Yeah. And they use that money to sign uh, um, Daniel House and yep. PJ Tucker. Yep. Uh, and basically just reuniting the old Rockets team. Which is a tactic that uh, the Doc loves to do. Usually, it's yeah. his former players, and then anybody that ever played well against him, he's willing to sign. He loves to do that. He does. It's a yeah. it's a strange phenomenon in Doc it's Land. A weird thing, right? Isn't it? it's like come on, dude. Like, well, it's just uh, certain players that everybody else has been like, yeah, he's fine at half the price point, and uh, if that dude torched a Doc led team at some point, then he's got a good chance of getting signed by whatever doc's coach team is I, I feel like it's shortcut thinking it's like i already know these guys can play well so i'm just gonna get guys that i already know can do it and i'll have them do the system in this shirt and then we'll see if we can luck our way into another into one more title because i think the more years he coaches without an nba championship um the less his legacy or the more his legacy is diminished because what he only won one with Boston, right? Mm -hmm. Am I correct on that? So he went to two, but only won one, uh, and has underachieved in a number of play in a number in a number of seasons with great players on his teams. So, yeah, I think the more he goes without having one, the less people see him as this phenomenal coach. He's a good coach. I don't thought he was a great coach. So. 
Yeah, he always seemed to be a guy who could manage top-end talent, like the personality-wise. Right, right, right. Uh, get him to the playoffs almost always. Get the most out of these, um, what do you call these, uh, uh, these uh, uh, blue-collar boys, these lunch-pail players. He, he maximizes their abilities, but never to the point to take him to the promised land only once. Yeah. That maybe this year will be different. I don't nope. know. Nope. Stop it. And and Harden saying, I'm still one of the top players in my position. I don't know if that's true anymore, man. That that, that quote struck no. out. It's, right? No. But to himself. You know, he's quote unquote recommitted himself to conditioning, <laughs> which thereby implies that he wasn't committed to conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think he wants to rehab a lot of his image and yeah. knows that this is Joel's team. He just he no showed in their final game of the season. Like yeah, he, I, if you're a top tier talent, you can't do that. You gotta fucking try. Yeah. And you just knew it was coming. It's like he's gonna no show. Watch yeah. this. And he no showed, and you're like, man, well, you know, it's, it's what you get with Harden at this point. Everybody called it too, Matt. Everybody called it. They were waiting for that no show, and of course it comes in the most critical game. Yeah. And then his excuse is like, well, you know, the ball never came back to me when I was passing it out. And they're like, <laughs> I don't know if I buy that as an excuse. If Thibel wants to tell me that, I will believe that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But a guy that's been an MVP yeah. in the top three in voting numerous times has more, <laughs> like compared to his contemporaries, has more 50, 60 point games than anybody else. Like yeah. a dude that can shoot and the ball didn't come back to you. Like I, that doesn't make sense. You can tell me a coach like Doc Rivers and a player like Joel Embiid is not going to find a way to get the ball back to you. A yeah. guy who needs the ball in his hands to do the magic that he needs to do. Come on. Yeah, you go doesn't... get that ball if you're not getting it back. Right. Yeah. Inflict a little bit of your will onto the offense because you yeah. can't just rely on Joel and Tobias Harris to do everything or Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. Now, if Maxey makes a jump, they could be really interesting this year. I still well, don't like him to win a championship, yeah. but uh, you know, they should be in the mix. More There's more grit on the team now, Matt, with these recent pickups. Now you've got some toughness on the team. Is it going to be enough? We'll see, but certainly I think it's a stronger team than it was last year. But depends on Hard- if Harden stays healthy and Bede as well. Remember, Bede was having those issues in the playoffs this past year. Yeah, he always – I mean, guy his size. Yeah. It's just – it's really hard. It's like the knock on next year's presumptive generational talent, Wimbanyama. It's like oh, – yeah. Yeah, but he's like 7'4", 7'5". How many of those guys have a long career? Right. He does look amazing, though. But You see Greg Oden. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just even the ones that, that play for a decent amount of time, like Porzingis, he still yeah. misses huge chunks of seasons because <sighs> the human body is just not meant to be that big and play a sport. So. Don't say that name, I get to. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, let's move on to something else. Uh, film wise, I gotta ask your opinion on this. Sylvester Stallone, have you heard this? What he, he is called out, Erwin Winkler, 93 year old Erwin Winkler, who's the producer of his of the Rocky movies, and he's calling him out because he f- does not have what he feels is a significant financial stake in the franchise. Um, Stallone wrote uh, in a in a picture. He said he, he thinks that there should be a fair gesture from Erwin Winkler so that he can pass on the heritage of Rocky to his kids. Essentially, 
verify or like certifying that the they would take care of the legacy of the character of Rocky Balboa should anything happen to Sylvester Stallone, which obviously will happen at some point. Um, <clears throat> Stallone said a very flattering portrait of the great Rocky Creed producer Erwin Winkler from one of the country's greatest. After Irwin controlling Rocky for 47 years and now Creed, I really would like to have at least a little of what's left of my rights back before passing it on to only your children. I believe that would be a fair gesture from this 93-year-old gentleman. And then he went on Instagram and posted a picture of Irwin Winkler's son's novel, which just came out, and he ripped it to pieces and said, this is the worst book I've ever read. And you guys know I read a lot of books. You can use this for toilet paper, is what he said. That is beyond punching down when you're Sylvester Stallone. Going what is the ants. book about? Kids. I, it's a novel. I don't know what it's about, but for the love of God, to do a book. He doesn't do book reviews. So to go after a man's kid on your social media, I think is a little bit out of bounds. I mean, unless his kid had something to do with. Well, I'm assuming his kid is 50 or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably. Yes. So it's not like he's a little kid. I mean. Still though, someone else. grown man he put out and you put something out into the world unfortunately people are going to criticize it grown ass man dog <laughs> two yeah. two is sylvester Stallone known for reading a lot of books i uh, he's a pretty intelligent guy a i'm not saying he's not intelligent but just like yeah. you guys know that i read a lot of books I'm like my first thought was do do we do we know that <laughs> i don't know as much about the guy yeah so yeah. i'm not as big a fan of his you know oeuvre yeah Ooh, nice word um, so yeah. there very well could be a case. I, I don't, uh, I don't know that it's kind of crazy. I guess it makes sense. Cause when the first one gets made, like, yeah, he's having to make quite a few concessions to get of this course. thing up and off the ground just to get him to be the lead. Cause they didn't want him to be the lead. Yeah. But after it's a success, how you don't renegotiate at that point yeah. and be like, that's fine. I'm an executive producer now. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's written the films. He directed the films. Exactly. Yeah, how do you not? Films. How do you not get a stake in this? How do you not have the intellectual property of something yeah. that you wrote? It's concerning to me that now all of a sudden, you know, he's like, hey, where's my piece of this? And I think about this as well, because Frank Stallone a few weeks ago posted a picture on Instagram of Creed 3, which is a, a there was a promotion for it in MGM in Vegas. And he took a picture of it and said, and just went after Michael B. Jordan and went after Winkler in his posts saying, this is just a cash grab. This is insulting. They kicked my brother out of his own franchise. La, la, la. So I thought that was just, you know, so it, somebody being crazy because Frank is Frank. Now with this, it's, it's clear that this is a family beef. Like the Stallones feel this way across the board about the situation. And let me clarify, the book uh, from David Winkler was a memoir. Uh, and he is also a producer on Creed. So Never mind. He went after a guy who was connected to this in some way. Okay, so, that makes more sense. But still, I just felt like it was odd. And he said, you know, I love reading and I've read thousands of books, but I have to say this one is by far the worst. If you ever run out of toilet paper, please buy this. You won't be disappointed. And of course, unfortunately, he spelled by, he spelled by this with as a B-Y B-Y-E. instead of B-U-Y. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> which doesn't really help your case a little bit. But he said David Winkler's painfully untalented, and he said his father was a parasitic, was parasitic for what he did. Um, so I, it just seems odd to me that this is all of a sudden something that's – what brought this on? It's like, is it because he's not in Creed Three? I thought that was his yeah. decision. 
Maybe so. they just because they're taking in a franchise in a different direction, it's no longer Rocky, so it's Creed. Yeah. So perhaps in the future they'll remake Creed's instead of Rocky's and his estate has oh, been cut out point. of the money making machine. Good point. Going forward. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. I I had not heard that one. Yeah. He said um this is back in 2019. He told Variety that he was he has zero ownership of Rocky. That's what's called zero ownership. Wow, every word, every that? syllable, every grammatical error was all my fault. It was shocking that it never came to be. But I was told, hey, you got paid. So what are you complaining about? I was furious. I mentioned a few times after Rocky 2 and after Rocky 3 would have made a ton of money. I said, I'd like some ownership. I invented it. And that never happened. That seems odd to me. Like what? <clears throat> did you not have a team of lawyers who could go in there and rip this apart? Or did you feel like eventually it would happen down the road? I mean, I love Stallone to pieces, you know, next to Cruz, next to Sinatra. This is one of the guys that, like, is very instrumental in my life and influencing my life. But, like, this is a certain level of carelessness that he didn't work. He hasn't been hammering this, like, every finding lawyers, finding loopholes, finding something in the contract, launching a social media campaign for years or a, a campaign in the press for years to, to pressure a Winkler to yeah. change the parameters of the contract. It seems odd that all of a sudden, as he's being phased out of the Rocky franchise, which is becoming the Creed franchise, as you said, Matt, that all it seems a bit sour grapes with bad timing, in my opinion. Yeah, I, do, I don't... Yeah. I don't know how it's possible that he has no ownership or a sizable ownership stake in it. So it's yeah. very interesting yeah. because that had to be a negotiating point somewhere along the way. Right. You that he conceded... I don't know what they could have offered, though. Especially to get him to come back to play Rocky. Like, yeah, you, know. you would think, be like, that's fine. I'll come back. I'll do Creed. But yeah. this is what I want. Especially because uh, I'm going to put my body through the training to make it look believable that I could actually have one final fight all these years later. So if I'm going to come back and play the character before Creed, if I'm going to come back and play the character of Rocky Balboa, the sixth movie, um, and to put my body through all the shit I'm going to put my body through at an advanced age, I want more ownership of the character. I want an ownership stake. So this seems a little disingenuous on, in, in my mind from Stallone's side of things. And I'm surprised by that because he doesn't usually strike me as a guy who would pull this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, as you said, sour grapes. That's what it seems like. Yeah. He, yeah. he made a mistake a long time ago, and now he's trying to rectify it through social media. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Because if if Chris Hemsworth, after six Thor films, <laughs> was like, I feel like I should have some sort of stake, they could always say, look, we it was a pre-existing property. Exactly. We yeah. came to you like this. You yeah. didn't develop and create this. Whereas Stallone, it's like, yeah, this is your baby. How yeah. the fuck do you not have? Yeah, seems odd. Yeah. It seems really weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like anything else that's pre-existing. It's not like Matt Damon has a piece of Born because Born right. was someone else's mind uh, child. Of course. Yeah. So, sure. But if Keanu Reeves had developed John Wick, then you'd assume Keanu Reeves would have ownership over John Wick. Right, right, right. Or something along those lines. I was trying to think of somebody that created their own and became a franchise, but that's a very rare situation ironically stallone with rambo and rocky those are both his own well i guess rambo was is it rambo based on something yeah my bad it was written by david morrell the original book so 
First Blood. That's what it's based on. Yeah, that's a great point. So that one doesn't necessarily qualify, but Rocky does, obviously, because he wrote that. But yeah, it's odd. It, yeah, I don't. I'd be intrigued to know what that contract is, but we'll never. Yeah. Get our hands on that. Like maybe if Goodwill Hunting became a franchise. And like at the fifth Goodwill Hunting, it's like you find out Matt Damon doesn't own Goodwill at all. And they could just. Yeah, they're like Robin yeah. Williams Estate does. And that was the deal for signing on to do the movie is he got creative. He got ownership or something ridiculous. I like them apples. <laughs> oh, funny. All right. You got a new story? Or should we just get into the into the meat of the show? Uh, Anything on your mind? Well, Anything look, on your mind? what are you jazzed about for Comic-Con? It's coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to be staying in a hotel room. And, yes, I know I'm only 30 minutes away, but I am going to be staying in a hotel room with the guys, with the Nerd Pals and Kalinowski. It's going to be a heck of a foursome. Uh, one last hurrah, for me at least. I think after this, at my age after this, I'm only going to come down on certain days, drive in, drive out. Um, but this is one last hurrah because it's been three years. So, yeah, I'm look, I mean, there's not much. There's not much that's happening. It's, it seems like a very chill Comic Con until Saturday, because that's when Marvel and DC are going to have their big days. So you want to kind of hopefully we can get into those panels and sit there all day and watch all that shit um, and have fun with it. Uh, and if I can't get in, I'll just be sitting in the hotel room. So when those trailers drop, I'll just do a reaction to those things. But uh-huh. yeah, very much so. But it's it's more about seeing everybody, um, walking around, uh, seeing what people have to sell, just feeling the vibe again of con of Comic Con. And I'm sure I'll be sick of it by Friday, and then I'll get reinvigorated on Saturday, and then Sunday I'll have a stupid grin on my face as I walk around buying graphic novels for super cheap, which I like to do on Sundays. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the basic thing. Just hanging out with friends again, hanging out with everybody, seeing the cosplay. Um, and as great as star Wars celebration was comic-con is like a whole nother level. And so you just, I love to just admire sometimes the inventiveness of people's cosplay. I would never do it, but the, the time and effort that people put into these costumes. Is I saw someone post, I don't know what con it was for. Cause it had mm-hmm. to be really recently. Uh, but he was deep with an octopus on his Oh, crotch. yes, yes. I saw that on Twitter, and I, was, yeah. I don't know. They made mention of, like, here's somebody dressed up for a con, but they didn't say yeah. what con it was. And it I was, was like, in Paris. It was, a, uh, oh. it was a cosplay convention in Paris. So people brought out their best, and that one was great. <laughs> that one was great. It's a great uh, yeah. moment in the series, and... Uh, oh, yeah. Shocked how good this season was, but dude, yeah, they like it sucked me back in. I, because mm-hmm. um, the last season I was just like, bye, you know, they seem like they're starting to get tired with this premise. Yeah, I liked Aya Cash being a part of the series last year, but she also brought a another element to it that was kind of a little too on the nose about what's going on in our world modern society yeah and i think what this season did was it it's there if you want to see it and it's very clearly there if you want to see it but they're not going out of their way to go like do you see it yeah last season they kind of were doing that with uh with stormfront um and i you know and i thought she did a great job with characters just like but the story itself made it very too obvious what she was and 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 the comeuppance felt a little like, well, what are we doing here? Are we just 
indulging our fantasies as writers to beat people up who feel this way in such a horrific manner by the end. A little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it was warranted, sure, but like by the same token, you set it up so it would be warranted. Um, and, I, and I like when the boys zig instead of zagging. Uh, and they didn't do that last season in a lot of situations. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on board with the ultimate evil being corporate greed. Yeah, than right. exactly. Oh, you thought the corporate greed was bad? Well, you forgot about Nazis. <laughs> You're like, exactly. do we really have? Because I think the corporate greed yeah. for this world seems more believable. But okay, Nazis. Yeah. Nazis in the second season, too. You go right to Nazis in the second season. So like, yeah, oh, it's oh. like, I, okay. Um, so yeah, first season in this one, I think probably my favorites. Yeah. Well, hands down. This season was great. I, I, you know, this season, a lot of seasons this year have been fantastic. Um, like I mentioned earlier, hacks and Barry in earlier shows with us. Man, it gets dark um, as fuck. Huh? Say so it gets dark. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I just finished breeders. The last most pre- most recent season of breeders, which got really dark at the end. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this is, I like this. This is, this is going along well. We haven't finished Umbrella Academy. We're halfway through Umbrella Academy. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, but I don't know, you know, what the end result's going to be. But yeah, like this, this year has been, the last few months have been some fun television, man, for sure. I haven't watched The Bear. Have you started The Bear? Uh, I am going to watch it. Um, okay. Catherine watched it uh, without me because. Okay. She didn't think I would want to watch it. And I didn't think she would want to watch it because it's about a restaurant. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, what? Why? I, I work there. What do I care? Yeah. Why do I need to see this? Yeah. And, uh, but I, I've heard nothing but really good things. So it's like, eventually I'll get to it. Yeah. Especially because there's definitely going to be a season two. So whenever that comes around, more than likely, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I need to watch season one in anticipation yeah. of. Uh, yeah, I think they did green light that already. So, yeah. Had to have. It's like the most talked about show of the past. That wasn't a pre-existing and established property. Yeah. But of the past like couple months, I think it's the one that's jumped off the page the most. Yeah. She's in the same boat. My girlfriend, because she was like, I worked in kitchens all my life. Why would I want to see this? And I'm like, can we just give it one episode, one or two episodes? Maybe you'll enjoy it. You know, so I really want to see it, but I don't want to see it without her. Because uh, I think she gives some nice in depth, just like Catherine would, or, you know, about what, what's the truth and what isn't the truth about what they're showing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I worked in a restaurant a long time ago. Oh, okay. Uh, is this one seems much more high pressure. I worked at, uh, uh, I guess, I mean, it's an Irish pub, but it's less on the oh. pub, more on the food. It was more okay. of a restaurant, but I was a T, you know, in high school. Right, 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 right. I was a bus boy. So it's, I wasn't back in the kitchen when they're screaming at each other, to get orders out and all that stuff. I'm just, yeah cleaning dishes and running waters and sodas and shit. Yeah. Some of the stories she's told me about people in the kitchen yelling at each other and shit they say to each other and the high pressure thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. It's a whole other animal. Uh, Anyway, let's get into things here, man. Let's get in. We're 20 minutes in. Let's get to jump into this. Uh, Our top 10 rescue films. Matt, uh, as uh, you said earlier, brought to you by, not brought to you by, inspired by 13 Lives new ron howard film uh how does the show work here man uh we set a topic we go our individual ways create personal top 10 lists. show back up here i do my bottom three he does his bottom three i do my next two he does his next two then we trade one a piece once we have revealed our personal top 10 list we create the shows between the two of us boom all right um so i tried 
Like you can sort on IMDb by keywords sure. and descriptions yeah. sure. for rescue. Right. And uh, something like 23,000 titles come up. Yes. Uh, and then I winnow down and winnow down from there and still ended up with like 954 titles. Yeah. So I went through the bulk of those and I'm trying to go for what this movie is where group A has to rescue group B. Yes. That's, that's how I did mine as well. And yeah. an actual rescue has to be the point of the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if the, the people that are being, like there's a couple that's like, yeah, it's a rescue film, but technically like they're fending for themselves and they yeah. get through most of the journey on their own. I'm not counting that. I'm trying to do it from the vantage point of the people doing the rescuing. Right, right, right. right. And people, plurality of individuals as opposed to one. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise like Taken is a rescue film, but it's like, yeah, that's one dude trying to save his daughter. It's a rescue film. That is a rescue film. It is. But I was like, it's not a group of people and i was like two or more that's all oh, I'm i saying. see what you're saying you're trying to put, make it a group or more okay all right. yeah Fair that's enough. just for me because it was like well we're I doing it for this that, but I yeah okay. we didn't talk, talk about it but i was like yeah. all right two or more going for it and then i specifically left one movie off my list because we've talked about it so many times okay it may be on your list because it's, it's an excellent movie and if i did have it on my list it'd probably be top three maybe <laughs> maybe top two does it star a certain actor who was stuck on an island by himself? Or I, that he has been stuck on an island. May, he may have done a couple of different island movies in his career. A couple of different island movies. Well, he was struggling against a volcano. Okay. Oh, a right. volcanic Fair island in another. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. I kept that one off. I can respect that. That one would be in the one, two, three range, somewhere in there. Yeah, fair enough. So I'm like, I, I will keep that. And then I had a question about another one. Would you count this one? Okay. It may make your list. Uh, 1917. Well, no, because it's more about... He's trying to stop that. So technically, he is rescuing. Message. It's a message he's got to deliver. He doesn't have to rescue people. He's trying to get the message to them. But to by getting them, he rescues them from death and from a harrowing experience. I didn't put it on my list. You can make a case. Don't get me wrong. You can make a case. But I would, if I was judging, if I was the judge, I would judge on the side of, it's not technically a rescue movie, even though the message does rescue a lot, saves lives, certainly. Yeah. And you could maybe argue semantics that it rescues lives as well. So I could see the argument. I, just... I kept it off. <laughs> I didn't think it fit the parameters. Yeah, right. But it's a valid one to bring up for sure. There's a few of those and be like, I, I think you could make a case for this. Yeah. Like some, uh, like I'll tell you right now, um, a certain somebody who is Retired recently from acting, sadly, because of a medical condition. I had to take that film off because I'm like, that's not a rescue film, even though. The one based in Los Angeles? Yes. <laughs> yes sir. I didn't put it on my list. I didn't even make it came up on the IMDb list. And I was like, that's not a rescue film. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I was like, mm. I mean, he does rescue these people. Yes. But he's more saving these people than rescue. Now, some of you yeah. may be bad listening to us saying that I'm splitting a hair as I tend to do at times. But I. I to me, that's what counts. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. I was, I was like, that's not a, I don't think that's in the spirit of what we're trying to go for here. Right, right. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, if the point of that was to actively extricate the hostages and get them out slowly but surely, 
while like he protects them and they run past and they go down this corridor and whatnot and then go out the front doors and then right. he has the face off in the end. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what happens. It's, no, he wasn't so sent in like, to save. Yeah, he was already there. Right. I don't know. Like if what Reginald L. Johnson was sent in, then you could maybe call it a rescue. Yeah, and then he teams up with McLean. Yeah, right. And then the two of them, the, the, Reginald gets the hostages out while McLean d- deals with Gruber. Yes, sure. exactly. You could yeah. sell me on that being more of a rescue film. But as it stands, no, I did not uh, include that. <laughs> so uh, at 10, I've got Argo. Uh, that is my 10. No bullshit. That is my 10 as well. Yes. Uh, I think most people hold this film in higher regard than yep. us, obviously. Yes, clearly. And for the team part of it, well, it's like he had his his team here that he was that was helping with the ruse. Yeah. And he's the boots on the ground uh, trying to save those people from uh, who knows what punishment would have befallen them. Right. Being stuck in in Iran at that point. Right. Uh, But the interaction with him and Goodman and Arkin, especially Goodman and Arkin, their scenes make the movie for me. Oh, yeah. I could have watched those two all day long. Yeah. Especially like when they got to that convention and they're trying to bullshit the project into people's consciousness and people are asking questions and Arkin just doesn't have answers nor does he care yeah and makes curious if that's what he's done as a producer in the past just like it's a picture you know it is what it is go see it like not a hard sell uh type of situation just kind of fed up and uh churning it out and the fact that it's based on a true story much like the movie that we're doing this for yeah um Anyway, so it made my ten. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good film. Uh, it's certainly one to, you can enjoy watching, even with the gratuitous shirtless scene uh, for Ben Affleck working, which is so unnecessary. Um, but there's so much. Uh, how can I say this? So much nice, uh, so much well written dialogue, leading to some nice scenes between these characters and the connective mm-hmm. and connections they're making with each other. Um, but in the end, I just I, you know the the John Goodman, Alan Arkin stuff is great. Um, but it always, but it doesn't have, I don't know. The ending is good too, but like, I don't know when you find out what really happened, it really kind of ruins the movie for you. But also I just feel like now it doesn't hold up as strongly as it did in the past. And in no way do I think this film is better than zero dark 30. In fact, the no. more the years go on, the more I think zero dark 30 is the more exceptional film by larger and larger margins almost every year. Because I never want to turn on Argo, and I'll always never. want to turn on Zero Dark Thirty, which was the same year. I believe, yeah, so. I've watched Zero Dark Thirty in the past six months. Yeah, yeah. Start to finish, started right at the beginning in the torture scenes, wrote yeah. it all the way to the end. Happily do it again in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like Argo to win the. And we're not slagging off. It's still a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's entertaining. I don't, I don't know if Affleck was the right choice. You know, as as much as I might. So I love Ben putting himself in his films because he certainly did a great job in the town, but I don't know if he was the right choice for that character. And obviously that character is Latino. Let's, let's start there. Uh, so it would be a really hard thing for him to cast himself in now. But I, 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 th- I don't know if he was the right weighty choice for this guy. He's supposed to be a nerd, super, uh, you know, intelligence dude. So you pick someone else. And although he made himself look like the guy, I don't think he had the right energy. And I think that keeps it 
keeps me from enjoying the film fully. Whereas Jessica Chastain, a hundred percent embodies that character. And I believe her every yeah, second. I believe the dog of determination that she has. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the writing on the fucking, Oh, I love the number stuff. That's so fucking great. Oh, I would love to sit down with her for like three hours and just fucking talk. Cause she's so interesting as an actress. And so fucking DGAF about a lot of things that I, I kind of respect that, to be honest with you. Hmm. So anyway. Plus she's um, easy on the eyes. Well, that, sure. Of course. That helps as well. Yeah. well. I'm saying if you've got to sit down close to somebody and talk to <laughs> doesn't hurt if they're world-class attractive. Shield your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, all right, what's your nine before we get in trouble? What's your nine? <laughs> uh, my nine is... Uh, uh, surprised how this one, but Ghostbusters 2. They got to save that baby. Oh, yeah, that's great. Nice yeah. choice, dude. Okay, Look, go ahead, man. <laughs> Vigo, the Carpathian destroyer. Come on, baby. Come on. Wants to transfer his consciousness and everything onto that poor baby. Yeah. And they have to fucking get the Statue of Liberty, cover it in ooze, pump some good, you know, jams in there, and go <laughs> save that baby. And that's what they got to do. It is a rescue mission to save the baby. Yeah. And New Yorkers are there to help, you know, because New Yorkers are known. That's what they're known for, helping people. Yep. The sense of community, belonging, it's 100%. <laughs> Everything that I've ever seen or experienced of New York is without a doubt, undeniably that. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. Just just to change it up a little bit, I think it's a, sure. it's a really fun movie. Um, yeah. I enjoy it thoroughly. I know a bunch of people don't like it because they have such a fondness for the first one. It's like, hey, it just That's so good. The first one's so good. It's a tough act to follow, man. Yeah. yeah I just don't compare the two. Well, that's, that's a smart way to enjoy too. Don't compare. Well, just like I don't compare afterlife to the originals. It's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a entertaining. Oh, Ghostbusters. Definitely. Right. Yes. yes yeah. When yes, yes. the Ghostbusters reboot with McKinnon and mm. McCarthy and whatnot, I thought it was fine. Okay. But didn't think it was good, like yeah, great yeah, yeah. or anything, but it was like, well, it had some entertaining parts. Yeah. It was, you know, had it, it had its own merit. Yeah, sure. Would I see it again? No, but I don't think it's a shitty movie. <laughs> um, But yeah, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I, I like that it's, instead of just saying, you know, we're going to add even more ghosts, they kind of yeah. take it to a different uh, realm of the same thing. Yeah. So a spirit that has moved on into like this painting, it's it's housed there, but it needs to transfer over and back into a, right. a mortal, you know, a mortal coil, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, you know, basically you're creating a new area to play with as opposed to just rehashing and adding more into the same thing that we've already seen. Yeah. yeah. You still get ghosts and stuff in it, but it's like they're focusing on the ooze and all that jazz. Uh, so it was a nice uh, you know, addition to the series, in my opinion. Right, right. Um, all right, so that's my nine. My okay. eight, eight? Uh, is Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, dude. Good choice. Based on a true story. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, Andrew Garfield plays a, a guy from Appalachia. I can't remember where. Yeah, Appalachia. And think so yeah he's a conscious conscientious objector yes uh sent off to war mm-hmm. and 
they don't want to once he gets through boot camp and all that stuff basically he won't take a rifle or any kind of gun into combat and he's a medic medics still carry weapons on occasion yeah and he will not do that and the army tries to eventually stop him saying you can't go and you can't do this because yeah. basically you'll be a detriment you're just out there and going to get shot and how much help can you be if you can't defend yourself and those around you right so he runs into obstacles over and over and over again but eventually they have to relent and let him go and he goes and he saves 70 or 80 people they go up on this ridge hacksaw yeah. ridge itself but in the movie i don't know if it's in real life but it is a like 100 foot sheer cliff and they've rolled out one of those nets like you see off of uh uh, ships when another ship goes down and they throw yeah. it over the side of the ship and you yeah. clamber up the side of it and they have one of those going down and all these guys go up over the top right. and they have an unsuccessful campaign at the top and then they retreat back over the side and he stays at the top and overnight saves 70 or 80 people he trusses them up in a big rope and one by one goes finds another one that's alive drags them over to the edge through enemy lines. There's still snipers. There's still people yeah. up there patrolling, going through the dead bodies to try and bayonet and kill anybody that's, that's lived yeah. and takes them over to the edge and gets yeah. 70 to 80 people over there. It just continues to, there's a montage towards the end where he's lying, like he's exhausted and he's like, you know, please God, let, let me find one more. Yeah. It's and just like willing himself. It's almost like that Schiller's moment. You know, how many more could I have saved yeah. with this? You know, it felt that way when you're watching it in a the theater. Not had the same emotional power, but the same intention was there. And it was really incredible to see, you know. Yeah, I think in those moments, it does. The movie works really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah when yeah. he's thrown into the fire. Some of the, the boot camp stuff is a little stereotypical, yeah. cartoonish. Yeah, that's that's what takes me out of the film. And, and you know, some people have said, oh, but that's, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious fun. It's cool. And. Yeah, but like when you've seen Full Metal Jacket, I mean, that's the bar. And if you yeah. can't hit the bar or raise the bar, at least match the bar, then you're going to lose me, you know, because it's such a great um, interpretation of what boot camp actually is like. And so when you get something like this, uh, you're just like, ah, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, that took me out of the movie when I saw it. And I was like, eh. you know, but then eventually when you see all the battle stuff, so incredible and as you said him dragging i mean andrew garfield is fuck dude that guy is such a such a goddamn good actor so yeah seeing him take on these roles there's such a weight to what he was doing throughout that movie like when they were challenging him, his own father was challenging hugo weaving he was just like you know embarrassed of him and his was his girlfriend or his wife was the only one who was really kind of standing by him in his stance that he was making but like everybody wanted him to not make well, yeah. a stand. Dad didn't want to. Yeah, Hugo Weaving didn't want to go because he's scarred by World War One. Yeah, his own experience. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, he's the one that stands up for him in the court martial. Yes. Yeah. Which is so a great. To, you know, circle. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to kick him out, and then yeah. you can't. And if this is his choice, then he is legally allowed to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the great little. End of it where they have to go back up in a couple of days' time. Yeah. And his colonel comes to him and is like, Listen, I, I'm sorry I judged you incorrectly as everybody else had done. Yeah. But none of these guys will go up there in two days, three days, or whatever it is if you're not with them because yeah. your faith it resonates 
and they they may not share it or have it, but they see it in you and they believe that you believe. Yeah. And uh yeah, just crazy. I mean, you leave all those guys stranded on no man's land above you a hundred feet or whatever it is, it's a crazy yeah. high cliff. Yeah. And just to see slowly descending. He even sends down a couple uh enemy combatants. Yes. To be safe. Right. When right. he saves one like in a tunnel when he has to hide. Yeah. Uh but yeah, based on a true story, he just he ends up rescuing tons of people. I haven't seen that one in a while. Might be worth watching just skipping past the Yeah, if you skip past the boot camp stuff. Yeah, boot camp stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean it's, it's not really... as cartoonish as like Battle Los Angeles where everyone oh, the platoon mates is cut it out. Yeah. Hey, it's that's Tex, and this is Brooklyn, and this is and everyone was like, hey, hey, I am Brooklyn. I'm like, all right. So these characters are all fucking, uh, I can't even dude, say one dimensional. I will never forget watching that at the Cinerama Dome. Oh, I fucking hated that movie. And people turned on the movie. And when you had that one scene where the dude's like, I can't wait to get back and get pizza. Oh, yeah. It's like early and on. Everybody fucking started busting out. And so the rest of the movie, people were shouting comments or insults at the screen because it was so bad and you know what i think you have every right to do that in a movie theater you pay if everyone else is on board or most of the theaters on board with, with with it i got no issue with it you know yeah yeah well in that movie i definitely don't yeah i love la crowds for that like um taken three the the audience turned on taken three within 30 to 45 minutes and they was just fucking open night open mic night on that film man it was hilarious hilarious so, um, all right. So that was your eight, right? Correct. Okay. So then my uh, 10, we already says Argo. So my nine, and I was really surprised by how far down it is, but I got to be honest. It's not one I go and turn on a lot, even though I know it's a cult favorite, Escape from New York. Go for it. Okay. Well, Kurt Russell, Snake Bill's good. I mean, him coming. This is iconic role by uh, Kurt Russell going in to save the president. Donald Pleasance, of all people. Uh, and all the shit he has to endure and the uh, double crosses and the insane obstacles and all that that he has to endure to save the president in a post-apocalyptic world. And, of course, you got Isaac Hayes, Adrian Barbeau. It's directed by John Carpenter. Very iconic film. Um, although there is a brutal fight scene in the ring with him and that dude. Oh, the wrestling the- scene is so awful. Yeah, it's so, the so awful. So That's what kills me about the movie oh, now, watching it. I know. Like, I can't. Can't take it seriously. <laughs> You're right. That's why it's down at number nine. Because I, I love, I still love the film, but it's the quality of it is really become dated as you watch it now later mm-hmm. on, and and you kind of have to excuse some of those scenes out of nostalgia. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, the wrestling scene is the scene where I go, oh my oh. god, the choreography is horrific because it, it looks like it's going to be brutal, and then you see all the choreography, and you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, yeah. So. There's better choreography in Spider-Man than Tobey <laughs> Maguire. <laughs> that's true. And that's played for laughs. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's a rescue film. Mm-hmm. He has to go and overcome all that kind of shit to get him out of there to save the country and essentially save the world. So, and it's a great, it never takes itself too seriously, which I think is great. Yet, there are stakes in the movie, which is, it's a rarity to see that in a film. And I think the 80s, better than any other decade, was able to get that uh, mixture correct with a lot of their action films. Uh, and so I got to give love to escape from New York and Carpenter directs the fuck out of this. And this is prime Carpenter. Halloween was only three yeah. years before. 
Yeah, the uh, thing was yeah, the was thing around this time. Yeah, it was I think the next year. I think if, if I think Escape yeah. is eighty one. I think the thing is eighty two. They live and yeah, they live a few years after this one. Yeah, yeah, and all in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I chose another carpenter. This is a okay. good one. oh, oh, interesting. It had a few more people on the rescue side, so that's yeah. why I was. This gotcha. is Pilskin solo, so I was like, eh, Taken doesn't count for me. Then Escape from New York doesn't. Plus, that wrestling scene oh, really kills the film for me. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, all right, so then my number eight, uh, and you might kick this off the list. I don't know. Uh, Black Hawk Down. No, it's on my list. It's a yeah, punt. Okay. Is, is it a punt? Is it a punt? Yeah, it's okay. a punt. Go, go ahead. Yeah, you're seven. Uh, my seven is Bone Tomahawk. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's a rescue film. Because some people get right. kidnapped uh, and then uh, they have what? to form a posse. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take, uh, uh, I'm going to take it off. Um, and then uh, for New York, I only put it on just to put it on. Bone Tomahawk. Absolutely. Kurt Russell. I still stay with Kurt Russell. So that's my number nine. Now go ahead. Go ahead, man. Um, I wrestled with it and put it on. Now it's on. Cause uh, some cannibals. <laughs> take some people and then he's got to get two, three others with him to go and save what the doc and somebody yeah. else. Isn't uh, the sister, isn't the sister as well? Or is I believe so. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or maybe it was the doc's, doc's daughter. Oh, maybe the daughter. Yeah, that's right. That's I right. think it was the daughter actually. Yeah, yeah, good call. Good call. Uh, just a solid movie. I, I tried to find some sort of Western. I thought about another one. Hmm. Um, Little John Wayne classic. Well, okay, maybe. we may be good to that. Maybe was that your John Wayne? Maybe no, that is not my. We <laughs> did the well, That's so I didn't do. Are we getting into? Do you have a? You got you got a Wayne, don't you? Of course, yeah. I actually of did. course, I did it for my girlfriend this morning because uh, last night I stayed up a little bit later and I was like, I feel like a western I haven't seen before, so I was rummaging through Amazon Prime and I found Hondo, which I've never seen. It's it's uh, John Wayne. Uh, and he's like protecting this this woman and her son, and he's dealing with the Apache and uh, a bunch of people. And it's a ninety minute movie, so I was like, perfect. I watch this and I'll head off to bed. Um, and so I had my John Wayne this morning for her because I was imitating. Well, because she's Native American, so she, I mean, she you know she does not like John Wayne, so I have to kind of play oh, around with that. So why would that be the case? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What an odd thing. What an odd thing. But yes, yeah, so I do have a Wayne to answer your question in a roundabout way. Um, but it, <laughs> it it Kurt Russell's made to be in a western. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. just f- full on, and he's got several at this point. Right, right. Um, between this Tombstone, Hateful Eight, and and others. Yeah. That when this was, I think I saw it like on. Uh, I, anyway, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing like the initial poster. And I was already in. I was like, oh, okay. Kurt Russell in a Western? Sure. They're cannibals? All right, that's a weird twist. Make it happen. Yeah. They live in caves? All right, this is just getting weirder. Yeah. So this is either going to really succeed or it's going to be brutal. But I, I believe in Kurt. I don't know why he would sign on for a project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least the script wasn't excellent. Uh, and it's good, especially if you have any inkling towards Westerns. Oh, yeah, man. It's a solid addition to the genre. And we've had a few people tell us, um, tweeted us, I think both of us to say, like, thanks for recommending this film. I would have never considered this film. But after you guys talked about it on the top 10, I watched it and loved it. So if you haven't watched it yet, we can't recommend it yeah. enough. If you like these types of movies, it's yeah. an excellent version of them. Just be ready. Just be ready. 
because it is. Well, I mean, once again, we have cannibals. Yeah. In the old west, it's already a. But that scene, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good though. That scene and that misery scene, I will never ever go back for ever, ever. I can visualize the misery scene, and I yeah, that's, that's enough. That's enough for me. Like 10, I, I 15 years. <laughs> it's been a long time, and I can visualize that. I can see her slowly putting the block between his oh. legs, between oh, his ankles. God. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah. But we but we digress. All right. What's your what's your six then? Uh my six you haven't seen, which is Labyrinth. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh yeah, so go, the ahead, go ahead. Baby gets stolen, gets taken to the center of the maze. Right. By the Goblin King, David Bowie. And then Jennifer Conley has to go, and eventually others join in her endeavor. So right. it becomes a group of people trying to to rescue. Uh, it's her and uh, a ho- hoggle, and there's a big, I don't remember what that thing's name is. Um, it's like a their version of Chewbacca on some level. Um, okay. And then there's a, a dog that's technically a knight that rides his steed, which is another dog. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's fun. Uh, but they they band together and they have to get through the maze to ultimately save this baby from being turned into a goblin itself if she doesn't complete the rescue uh, by the clock by the time the clock clock strikes whatever time midnight oh. or whatever the case is. Okay, she has a certain period of time to save the baby; otherwise, the baby is gone forever. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, and then it's a in a world full of goblins. You're assuming all oh, these were stolen children. Oh, interesting. They yeah. become goblins. And they become goblins okay. after oh. enough time has passed. I think it's like 24 hours or something. That's a, that's not a lot of time. No, it's not. And when you see how large this maze is, <laughs> it really seems unfair. Sons of bitches. It, it seems unfair. How does his codpiece figure into all of this? That's what I want to know. It's mesmerizing. <laughs> Tell you that much. And then him doing the glass ball thing with the... That's, that's a lot of fun. Interesting. Um, but the, the production set design, the use of the puppets. Yeah. It's really entrancing. It's a, it's a good movie overall. Okay. Um, if you do in fact ever watch it as an adult, I will will. curious. As I said, you know, she wants to do that series where I watch movies I've never seen before. And I've seen people on YouTube. They have those first time watching and it's like 30 to 40 minutes. And it's just, you know, cause you're only allowed to put six seconds of a movie. So they're cutting to get to the general gist of a film. So we, we, we might do that. I told you about that already. So we're probably yeah. going to do that. Labyrinth will definitely be in the mix on that. One. Well, I was going to talk to you about that. Cause I think your channel could use a couple more shows. So that, <laughs> like, that seems like a good addition. Uh, I got some other ideas. You too. know, to me, I throw everything at the wall. You know, how it works. I know, but it's just, I've stayed alive doing that. Though. How? Yeah. <laughs> when I mean, it's impressive. I just don't know. Yeah. It's exhausting is what it is. Yeah, of course it is. But I love doing it. It's just exhausting. I'm very fortunate, though. That's for fucking sure. Uh, anyway. All right. What's your six? Is that your six? That was my six. Sorry. So then my number seven is Extraction, the one from last year? Uh, I I fell asleep. Not to say it was bad. I watched it late one night. Oh, I got like 45 minutes in, and I yeah. fell asleep, and I haven't gone back. The Chris Hemsworth? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got through like a big action scene where the... Anyway, go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. No, I love this movie. Absolutely loved it. Re- I did not anticipate liking it because I did not like Six Underground. I did not like a couple of these other uh, 
Netflix action movies that they had released and spent money on. And I think this one's produced by the Russo brothers. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure because the Russos are very, very miss an occasional hit when they go outside the Marvel universe. And look, just recently, the gray man's getting some mixed reviews. Uh, there are some people who like it and there are some people who don't. So I'm going to be curious to see it once it comes out on Netflix this week. Yeah. Spider-Head, uh, I wasn't surprised by. Yeah, right. Yeah. But Gray Man, I'm holding out a lot of hope for that. Yeah, right. So this one, I wasn't sure. And then it was balls out awesome. Um, I started at a respectable hour at like six or seven and then just absolutely dialed into the movie. And I loved Hemsworth's performance. Um, I mean, that guy is, a, I don't care what people say. That's a good fucking actor, man. He steps up to the mm-hmm. plate in just about every film he's done. I mean, Black Hat, it was a little hard to buy him as a hack, as a, you know, kind of a hacker. But overall, though, I think he's mostly, I think he's almost always nailed it. And I think he did a great job in this movie playing that kind of rough and tumble guy who, and he gets like personally involved. The action scenes were insane. The fights, the hand to hand fight stuff was crazy. And the pace of the film itself leading to the rescue, then, you know, save rescuing the kid essentially for the back half of the movie after he finds the kid rescuing him and then keeping him safe and rescue him out of all these other situations to finally end up to where he ends up, which I won't spoil if people haven't seen it. It is incredible and shocking. And I just, I really enjoy the hell out of this one. So it moved up. It, it went into my top 10, which I was hey, really surprised by. Sounds like I need to, re- I saw it mm-hmm. on the IMDb list. Yeah. I got about 500 deep on that. And then I was like, I don't need to see the other four. Well, I sorted it by ranking and then it needed to have a certain number of votes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I said it at 50,000 votes. Wow. Well, cause everything that we know has a, a million and yeah, higher. Yeah, so good. it's like 50,000 at least is a cutoff. Cause then you can get some things that maybe a lot of people haven't seen. Perhaps yeah. I have, Good point. but if you just sort by IMDb rating vote, the top 10 are like, it has seven votes, but it's 10 star, you know, 10. And you're like, that doesn't count. That does not fucking count. He's a 10, but he's got seven votes. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I made it to win. He gets the kid and they do that big car yes! chase scene. Yeah, dude. With the bus and yeah, the yeah. action. Yeah, the action scene right Ooh. after that. And that, that's the last that I remember. Oh, fair so enough. I felt Maybe you were just kind of knocked into unconsciousness. It was overwhelming. Maybe. Maybe I was blown away. I look, I'm pulling for him. I want him to have a career outside of Thor. Yeah. yeah. Seems like a genuinely likable guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like Thor love and thunder. I know some people didn't like it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I've seen it twice. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it again. It made me laugh. I thought it was great. I thought him and Natalie were good. Yeah. Are there issues with some of the story with Natalie and some of the missing scenes with Gore, the God butcher? Absolutely. No doubt. But overall, I had a great time hanging out with these characters again for two hours. So I got no complaints. Yeah. Um, you see that story from Taika where they went to the, the premiere? Or no, one? no, no. They went to the premiere and it's him and Hemsworth watching it. Oh. And then at the end when it says Thor will return. Yeah. And neither of them knew that Disney wanted to come back and bring the two of them back to do it again. So he turned to Hemsworth and he's like, you're going to do another? And he's like, news to me. <laughs> Whether or not that's true, I have no idea. That's great. That's great. Well, I mean, they don't get to say. Marvel does. So if you don't want to well, do it for we'll recast and we'll re. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still have a say. I don't know what uh, their contract says. Yeah, all right. Depending on what the contract says. Because they, they're still the Guardians movie, whether or not they, he, 
Thor is going to be in that at all. Oh, I'm sure he's in that. Like he, like the Guardians were in this. I'm sure he's in the first few minutes of it, and then they separate. And I'm sure we're going to get that opening from their point of view uh, mm-hmm. that you get in the in the opening of Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, and they're going to have, a, I think, they're going to have a different opinion on the stuff that he was pulling at the beginning of Thor: Love and Thunder. So seems reasonable, right? Yeah, I look forward to that. Um, all right, so then my number six is uh, Joaquin Phoenix in You Were Never Really Here. Uh, it's a single guy, so that's a great yeah, movie. Fair enough, fair great enough. Great movie. Yeah, I, I love this movie, man, and this movie is brutal um, and a great – how can I say this? A great first course uh, in a meal if you're getting ready for the Joker. Because you can see him working out how he's going to create the Joker in this movie. Uh, and it's so well done. Uh, and he delivers one of those performances that absolutely knocks you on your ass and scares you. Um, and the fact that he's an, essentially an unreliable protagonist, because you're not sure if what he's seeing is really happening or not. Mm-hmm. But he is trying to rescue this young girl from essentially uh, human trafficking and sexual deviance. And who he encounters as he's going about this and how far up the political chain this goes um, is fascinating to watch. And as I said, a brutal film. It pulls no punches. It is stark as hell. And when it's – oh, and and that weird-ass ending, you're just like, what did I – was it a dream or was it real? Uh, And I love that they leave you in that place by the time it's over. Uh, and he delivers one hell of a fucking performance, man. So. Yeah, it's that fight scene in the kitchen Oof. when he goes back to his mom's place. Oh. Technically, I guess his place too, but his mom's place. Right, right. Uh, fucking that! That I was so engrossed in that. It just got sucked right in. It's a really good movie. Yep. It's another one where had I not just said, "Well, I'm trying to honor the Ron yeah, Howard yeah, film totally. of a group of people going." Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, excellent choice. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn Ramsey directed this one. I always get her f- confused with Karen Kusama, so I'm always trying to kind of make sure who it is. Um, but yeah, she did that. We need to talk about Kevin film, that crazy ass film with Tilda Swinton and yeah, <laughs> whatever his name is. Um, all right, so what? So we can take a break. I think we take a break here, right, Matt? We do. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. There we are, and now we are going to jump into our top fives. Mm-hmm. At number five, I have the other John Carpenter, oh, which is Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> That's all you. Go ahead. Man. <laughs> it is a group of people trying to save Kim Cattrall and another woman because they both have green eyes, and that fulfills a prophecy for uh, Mr. Wong's character. I can't remember the villain's name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just swaggering. It's my second Kurt Russell on the list. Mm. But it's just him, pure machismo, ridiculous, over the top. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite John Carpenters. Yes. Lopan. Lopan is the villain. Lopan. There yes. you go. You know, you have the inspiration for Raiden from uh, right. Mortal Kombat is yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, and then there's some 
stuff they stole from Dungeons and Dragons, like the Beholder, <laughs> the floating eye thingy. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just like a hodgepodge of sky- Eastern ideas yeah. mixed with like D&D and American cinema tropes. Yeah. All thrown into this cauldron, mixed up, poured out, and I think it's this this porridge of awesome uh, that I thoroughly uh, enjoy, and I know. makes me kind of watch it. You know, once we end this show, although <laughs> movie for tonight might be Extraction. Yes, start back over. Come on. Uh, although I've been, you know, trying to watch movies that I haven't seen before as of late. Well, arguably, you haven't seen the back half of that movie, so I think. Well, it's- yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why Big Trouble. Wouldn't make the cut, but oh, it sounds see. like a lot of fun. People do love that movie. I mean, I, we did it on the Cinephiles. I, I know there are friends of mine who love I've seen it twice now, total, in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I get it. It's a fun movie, but for whatever reason, it's not one of those ones that has that nostalgic bone. It doesn't touch my nostalgic bone quite as, as hard as other films do. So um, it's not one I go back to and see all the time. But I, it's a fun movie. Yeah, undeniably fun movie. And Kurt Russell playing the... How can I say this? Playing the most unusual hero you're ever going to see. A guy who thinks he's way better than he actually is, yeah. yet it somehow always seems to work out for him, which is great. Well, an individual we brought up earlier, but it, he seems like a kid that was raised on too much John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just think that's how you're supposed to approach situations like this. Some swaggering <laughs> yeah. machismo yeah, yeah, talking yeah. like this. Old Jack Burton. Uh yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's one of those I saw as a kid. I loved it, and it still maintains that, uh, you know, uh, section of my brain. Totally, man. Totally. So that's my five. What do you got? Okay. Uh, my five is Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Okay, sure. He goes to save the POWs, man. He goes to save the POWs, and you could argue he does have a crew because he goes in with uh, the uh, Vietnamese girl. And I think there's one other person who kind of gets killed off earlier on, earlier in the in the uh, rescue. But yeah, he's brought back. You know, he's working at the, the Tibetan monastery. Uh, Richard Krenna finds him, uh, and he says, "Man, we need you back for one more mission. We need you to save these guys." Like I'm out. He says, "No, no, we got to get him." And he said this classic line: "Do we win this time, Colonel? Do we get to win this time, Colonel?" Uh, and then heads on out and saves. Or, yeah, saves these POWs. And he did it better than Missing in Action. I don't care what anybody says. Rambo is a better film than Missing in Action. Um, and uh, he goes through a lot of shit dealing with the Russian dude, his, the second-hand man of the Russian, which I think is the villain from Beverly Hills Cop as well. Um, and Isn't that uh, the third one? Which one? The villain from Beverly Hills Cop? No, no. He's in the, se- he's in the second. He's in the second? The third one is a... It's Russian. the Russian one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure because I'm pretty sure it's that guy, Victor Maitland. Um, but yeah, you've got uh, Jack Napier in there is the kind of like the guy. Yeah, Stephen Burkoff, that's who plays the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Charles Napier's in there as the person from the government who turns on him. And Martin Cove, Mr. Karate Kid himself, in this thing as well as uh, someone who turns on him. Um, Oh, wow. I didn't even know, to th- know that. Oh, shit. Really? So the dude from uh, Mr. Takahashi from Curb Your Enthusiasm, he was one of the Vietnamese soldiers. 
I didn't even know that. Wow. So anyway, he goes in there. He rescues them. Uh, he loses a couple of people along the way and then finds out he was getting um, butt fucked in essence by Charles Napier representing the American government because they don't want the POWs to be found. So they wanted Rambo to make the effort and die in the effort um, so that they wouldn't ruin American Vietnamese, North Vietnamese or American Vietnamese relations, um, which I was, was a nice little political intrigue to it. But Stallone's. When he comes back and he takes that knife, mission accomplished. You know, it's a great moment, man. So I love this move. It's 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 stupid. It has no reason to be as good as it is, and it's fucking excellent. It's because Stallone. Stallone is so dialed into this emotionally. It just carries you through the film. And there are some brutal moments. You know, so there you go. I wish I had something to add, but I, have, I haven't seen it in so long. I go watch First Blood. I love First Blood. First Blood's great. It's a phenomenal movie. And then it's just like, if I'm in a Rambo mood, I watch First Blood. Or possibly three. Even though three is trash. Really? Because it was the height of action film, whatnot. And it takes me back to that time. Right on. Uh, But I don't see two. I just watch, I kind of just watch First Blood. It's the Rambo that I want to watch. Or the one where he uh, goes in with the missionaries and he just needlessly kills like 350. With that machine gun cutting people the off at the cal. leg as they're running. Yeah, the fifty cal. Yeah, the fifty cal, whatever. Oh, that oh. I was laughing in the theater just because I didn't know how to respond. Of course, it's so ridiculous. It is. It's so ridiculous how much gore there is in that moment. Um, okay. What's your number four, man? Uh my four is the point from you earlier, Black Hawk Down. Mm. So why didn't you want to count this? Well, I didn't know because the the it isn't in, it doesn't start out being a rescue mission at the beginning of the film. It becomes a rescue mission eventually. And I think, so I wasn't sure if that qualified necessarily, you know? So okay. um, I felt almost like Die Hard, right? They, they were just there. He was there and he had to go and save it. But so I wasn't sure if it qualified. That's why I had it lower on my list just in case. Um, so the fact that it does qualify is a good thing. So, you know, uh, well, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Up to your interpretation. So, right. No, true. Very true. Um, I mean, yeah, not every rescue movie starts off as, you know, Big Trouble is not a rescue movie from the opening right. frame. Uh, but they had to get in trouble. I mean, once they go down, it's like it's all hands on deck and everybody, everybody's coming together to try and get them out, extricate yeah. them from the situation yeah. uh, that they're in. And to, based on a true story, um, war-torn Africa. Uh, yeah. Mogadishu, yeah. Yeah, in a, an area where it's a, the rules of engagement – or this gray area, you can't engage until they engage with you. So you see all this illegal activity and whatnot that you know yeah. you should be stopping, but because they're not engaging with you, you have to basically let it happen. Yeah. And then uh, eventually they get shot down over uh, a city, and then they get pinned down by enemy fire and a base that's not it's located not too far away. Yeah. All those soldiers just start coming in in waves and try and pull our you know our soldiers out. Uh, good stuff. Huge cast. It is a yeah. It's a big cast. Um, I'm kicking myself when I missed this last year against Dan. Uh, that I missed the this. I just got you know thin red line stuck in my head, and I just didn't even. But yeah, a fantastic cast. Great direction from Ridley Scott. Um, once again, a film that does not pull any punches, showing you the 
ferocity of a situation like that, you know, certainly seeing the, was it the Mogadishus, the Mogadishans, I, I don't know how you say that, but uh, having them carry, uh, you know, the, the body of one of the, of the people there, it's really brutal. The imagery of it all is unsettling as hell. And so yeah, all of it um, um, and the frustration that they feel because in essence, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they're not allowed to shoot unless shot upon. And by the time they're shot upon, they can only shoot in a defensive manner after they, so there's not even a sense that they could run a mission to try to get themselves out of there. So a whole new people have to come in and try to save them and, and what have you. And so it's just, it's, it's an intense film. Um, and it speaks volumes that really Scott is able to keep the tension rolling through that movie when for the better half of that film, they're essentially a downed helicopter. Yeah. Um, and so, and you got to save these people. So yeah, it's so well done. And the, the pacing and the emotion of it all and the, the moments that happen to add more stakes or add more of the uh, anger about what you're watching uh, on screen is so well paced and edited throughout the movie. You know, what can you say? It's excellent. Um, so that's my four. What do you got? Okay. Okay. I think I'll move it up now that it's legally allowed to be on the list. Uh, number three is uh, my number four. Sorry. Is uh, Terminator two. Because my man gets sent back in time to rescue John Connor and his mom from the T-1000. That's essentially, I mean, I I know maybe I'm stretching the boundaries of that word, but certainly that's his job to rescue them, to protect them, to get them to a safe place and to eliminate the T-1000 and stop him from killing them. So that's uh, in a way it qualifies for me. And so that's the approach I have. And we've seen, we've talked about it many times on the show. So, but I like that uh, film and, and, the intention behind it and what a swerve uh, to make yeah. it work with Schwarzenegger's growing popularity to not let him come back and be a villain, let him come back and be a hero. It's genius. Yeah. Linda Hamilton's face when she sees him for the first time, thinking that's where the true terror is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, the audience's expectations before we understood he's there to protect. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I'd be curious as to how many people saw that without seeing the original. Well, it's a good question. Like originally when it came out. That's a good question. Because uh, I know I did. I saw T2 before I saw Terminator. Wow. Okay. Um, I and I loved it. So then I, you rented it? Rented the first one. Oh. So, so, cause it was at, you know, it was available at that time before that one had come out. So that's how I saw it. I didn't see it in the theaters. So, yeah. Yeah. That came out, what, 1980, 1981. Uh, term, yeah, I think it's 82. 82? First, yeah, I think, though. Uh, no, 84. Sorry, 1984. Wow, big year for movies, man. And I think Terminator 2 is then, what, 90? 90, 90 or no, I, 92 is the number that jumps to month, but 90 could be right. 91. It's 91. 91. Yeah. Split the difference. <laughs> but, I mean, that speaks volumes, right? Because, I mean, seven years later, he's in, the, in that time, he's done Twins, I think. Kindergarten yes. cop. Yes. So his whole persona is different. Uh, and so you got to make him a hero now. And it, it so works, you know? Yeah. Kindergarten cop might have been the movie right before. I want to say it's yeah. 1990. Yeah. Princess. And then True Lies, I think, is. Well, That's right what, 94? Yeah. There's an essence, probably his last, like, really, really. Says you. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Was Maggie tearing up the box office? I don't remember. Oh, you mean box office? I thought you were just implying good movie. I'm like, wow. There. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, what? he was in one or more of the Expendables. I didn't like Junior. I didn't like Eraser. <laughs> I'm not a Jingle All the Way guy. End of no. Days was ridiculous. Sixth Day. I kind of oh, like uh, End of Days, though. You, what? You like it? Yeah. It's oh. so, it's, uh, yeah. I, look, I can't defend it. I know, I know. It's ridiculous. I can't. But I do find I like any kind of biblical themed tying it in, even if it's just it's crap. I'm still yeah, gonna a, watch. A human being saying you <laughs> to the devil, to the devil, you think you're a badass, you've never seen me, or you're like, come on. Well, hey, I forgot I'm that the, line. I'm but the B, devil. <laughs> like that that uh, Heath Ledger where he eats the sins of others. Oh yeah. I've watched that movie more times than is acceptable. It's not a good movie. What is that? Last Rites? Is that what it is? Last I Rites? can't remember. I just remember the gist of the, the movie. And then uh, uh, what's her name? Who was in um, A Knight's Tale with him? Shannon Sassaman? Sassaman. Yeah. Yeah, she's like uh, near suicide or whatnot. And they oh, the become order. intertwined. And... The Order is what you're talking about. The Order. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I've seen, nice. I, I've seen that thing like five times, six times. Really? If it's got the Catholic Church involved, it's a strange pull. I grew up, you know, I was raised Catholic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just find a little bit extra. Maybe it's why I like the Da Vinci Code more than everybody else. (laughs) Even though I don't think those movies are particularly that great, still watch, especially Angels and Demons. I I prefer that one, actually. That's crazy. It has more to do with the papacy and you're in the Vatican. And I don't know, find that shit intriguing. So it's Brian Helgeland directed that one. He did Payback. Uh, the Order? Yeah, The Order. And he also directed A Night's Tale. So maybe that's why he worked with Heath. Although, and, Shannon. and Shannon all over again, yeah. But Payback was his first film. I loved Payback, the, the Gibson one. That was mm-hmm. fucking excellent. But then he directed 42, the Jackie Robinson. It's, and it's a good movie. It's okay, yeah. And then Legend, which was the Tom Hardy one about the two brothers, the craze. Oh. Yeah. That was a weird one. And he hasn't done anything since. So, interesting. Interesting. In terms of direction, I mean. Sure. He's written stuff. He did that. He wrote that Spencer Confidential one from with Wahlberg from a couple of years ago. Oof. I don't even remember that one. Oof. On Netflix. He, he and, was it Chi McBride? I think it was him and Chi McBride. Anyway, where were we? We got lost. We got in the tangent. Was that your four? Yeah, it was my four, T2. So what's your three? Uh, my three is Last of the Mohicans. Because he bands together with the other two guys, and they've got to save Madeline Stowe, her little sister, and then the English officer. And then the English officer, who's the translator, is like, take me in her place. So they take him because that is a worthy substitute. And then they abscond with the two girls. and then Son of a bitch! The rescue film, baby. <sighs> You're right. It doesn't it like doesn't start off as such. It's more it about doesn't. you got to lay the stage for all the characters. But you ultimately, know what? I, I'm gonna let. You, yeah, I'm not gonna add it to my list. But uh, yeah, because I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So it does qualify. It does qualify though. I love that movie. It would normally be in the top three or four of my list. But since it's on your list this high, I'm sure it'll make our overall list. So I'm gonna leave it alone. But yeah, great choice, man. Fuck, I wish I remember that one. God damn it. Uh. <sighs> It's as close as you're going to get to Day Lewis as an action star. Yeah. Yes. It's ever going to happen on film. 
And if, uh, if, if you could cast him in a superhero film, what, what, I mean, what would work? Would the question be a good one for him? The question or shadow, the shadow. Oh, the sh- what about Reed Richards? If you were doing an old one. Oh my God. Cause Richards is kind of an asshole. He is. And shit, but you need to believe that he's smart, the smartest man in the room. Like, I'm pretty sure Day Lewis could pull that off, which is why he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, he always feels like he knows the answer better than anyone else. Yeah, uh, so Uh, that's a great choice, Matt. I would have never thought for him for Reed Richards, but that actually works. I mean, he's too old, obviously. Yeah, right, right, right now, yeah. Uh, but just because that. I guess it's top of mind awareness because that was trending on Twitter a couple of days ago. Oh, was it? Oh, the well, the casting of Final Four. Who would you do? Right, right, right. And uh, so there was a discussion about Reed Richards. Of what about this person? This person? Yeah. And uh, it was interesting to see what people were coming up with. You know, like oh, I, I hadn't thought if, of that person. Or yeah, I don't know if I'm in the Jason Segel camp for the thing. I don't know if I'm in that. Camp. No, I'm not I at all. See it? No. Yeah. He's he's too much of a pushover. They're, you know, they're heading towards too much comedy, in my opinion, man. Like, I love Thor, Love and Thunder. That's a palate cleanser after Multiverse of Madness. But, you know, let's, I don't. Yeah, you know what you're getting, though, with Taika yeah. and Chris. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to go too deep into the comedy, though, where we start to lose the stakes of the fucking, of these, of the universe, of the entire MCU. You know? Yeah. But, uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's a great choice, man. I love Last of Money. It's a great choice. The soundtrack, I mean, the score, rather, the, the mm-hmm. you know, the performances and that ending, that ending fight scene. Jesus Christ, man. Brutal. A beautiful setting, though. Yeah. Just gorgeous. When he hits West Studi in the elbow with that fucking huge. Yeah, the, the, just falling off the cliff <sighs> face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then her killing herself, the sister, because she's like, I don't want to. Yeah, making the only choice she feels she has. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, reclaiming her life. Like, saying, I am not going to surrender to you. I would rather remove myself, make an, you know, a decision here about how I want my life to end, and I don't want it to end up with you. It's so powerful, man. Um. Okay. So then my number three is The Martian. That is a punt. Ooh, all right. What's your two? Uh, my two is Django. Oh yeah, Django Unchained. His Great wife. Choice, he's got to save his wife, baby. You're right, right. Broomhilda, I think that's Broomhilda. Right. Yes, yeah. and it just meets the two people or more criteria that I that's set for myself. Does. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> just randomly. Yes. Well, no, I just I wanted to get past one because one opens up. It was uh, almost too many movies, and I was like, well, mm. you know, Howard's new film has a plethora of individuals. It does. Speaking of plethora, would you have counted? I guess since you counted T2, yeah, then Three Amigos might have counted. If I thought that was a good movie, yes. Yes, it would have counted. Well, you need to think long and hard about that because it's an amazing movie. It's an excellent movie. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking comedy classic. It's a Wasp movie, and I can't, I can't laugh at that. I just, it's not for me. Like Clue. Like there are just certain white certain comedies good movies that, do not that you work just don't like. Me. It's fine. It's fine. Listen, comedy is subjective, and subjectively, you just have terrible taste. <laughs> but I love those two in Only Murders. Maybe Chevy Chase is the issue. Maybe that's why I don't like it as much. 
It could. It could be. It yeah. could be. I'm not. I might not be wrong here. On but yeah, Django will be. It's. Great. He's a freed slave that Christoph Waltz then basically brings into his employ to find uh, some other individual that he has a warrant for their arrest, dead or alive. So you can argue to... there's two rescues here, Matt, because he rescues Django and then they rescue. Yeah, Brumhilda. Yeah. Uh, That's a good choice. I didn't think about Django. Yeah, it worked. I mean, it was. Uh, I hadn't thought about the first aspect of the rescue. Yeah. Um, I just thought about him trying to save his wife from, you know, the plantation, plantation life and slavery in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's an excellent movie. Mm. One of my favorites of Tarantino's. And yeah. just stellar performances from so many different people really buying into their characters from uh, Sam Jackson to uh, DiCaprio. Those two alone, just like that is, those are both really difficult roles. Yeah. Sam is such a giving actor, man. I mean, people don't, I don't think people recognize that and give it more credit. You know, he was at what, what he quote he had the other day, and he was just saying, like, you know, yeah, Oscars, whatever. Like, I, I like to work and I like to be in service of the piece and I enjoy the job. And so, yeah, maybe I won't get an Oscar, but, you know, I've done so much fun work. That's what matters to me. And you see, like, something like Django, like, that is a difficult role for DiCaprio to take on because DiCaprio, noted liberal, playing mm-hmm. a slave owner uh, and having to say some of the most horrendous shit. Um, and having someone like the character that Samuel Jackson plays essentially like validates candy in a way. Uh, and, but their chemistry is so good because Sam is so willing to be, you know, kind of submissive in their relationship, but his submissiveness does not take away his ferocity because with everybody else, he rules the roost, but oh, with yeah. candy, he knows he's just below candy, so he accepts, and he actually genuinely loves him, which makes it all the more of a fucked up movie, which is part of the genius of it, you know? The complications with all these characters. Um, and to hear the discussions, like, you know, DiCaprio pulling back early on, yeah. and Sam Jackson and Jamie Foxx having to pull him aside and be like, first off, you gotta say that word. Yeah. You gotta say it with conviction and vitriol and hatred and you got to mean it yeah otherwise what's the point of this and there's a great uh, i saw an interview with jamie fox talking about like you know his first day on set and he does his take or whatever and quentin yells cut and pulls him aside and he's like what the fuck was that because jamie fox is doing like cool guy and he's like you're not cool you're not cool at all you're a f- former slave here's your motivation He's like, I knew you were going to do this. That's a direct quote from Jamie Foxx Tarantino's. I knew you were going to do this. This type of bullshit. It's not who you are. You're a former slave. Yeah. Act like it. And you're like, yeah, it's kind of right. That's a good director. Yeah. It was with like Howard Stern or something. And then at the end of his term was like, would you work with him again? He's like, yeah, a thousand times over. Yeah. Um, Because he was, he's right. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Yeah. But the Sam Jackson and DiCaprio and that fully committing to those. Yeah. Just terrible, terrible people. Yeah. No redeemable qualities for either of them. Yeah. Whereas like Don Johnson is fun because he's oblivious. He's dumb. Yeah. 
the character's kind of dumb and played in a certain way. And Don does a good job playing that. Don't get me wrong. It's not because Don is dumb. Yeah, it's in service of the character and what the, yeah. the story needed at that time. Exactly. So, And he is the appetizer to the main course, which is candy. And when he gets to candy, it's a whole nother ball game. And he has to bring that ugliness to his uh, ferocity, right? And even that scene when they're, wa- when they're watching two black slaves fight each other in the thing, man, it's, oh, it's rough to watch the way he just kind of casual. It's a casual thing. Yeah. And this is, this is something that probably happened thousands and thousands of time, times in our country. A fight to the death for the amusement. For the, the amusement. Of, of, yeah, two white guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, of a handful of white people just sitting in a room. Yeah. Because they have the, <sighs> the abject wealth yeah. to afford in this society another human's life. And now they have some that they just use for fighting. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's McCain's human cockfighting in its actual yeah. form. Terrific, man. It's yeah, terrific. brutal. And then they're like, they're going to the plantation and they're about to hang the one guy and DiCaprio's testing Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Jamie Foxx is like, it's not worth it because he realizes his ultimate goal is to save his wife. As yeah. horrendous as this is, yeah. I can't care about you. Right. And then they show up to the plantation and Sam Jackson is, Un, almost unwilling to accept yeah. the fact that I'm supposed to treat AB5. He's going to sleep in the house on the sheet <laughs> and his indignity uh, in the portrayals that everybody commits. It's really yeah. a fantastic movie. See, now you're getting me psyched to watch it. I haven't watched it in a long time. Uh, so many different scenes. Yeah. I mean, the scene with Jonah Hill and the, the, Oh yeah. The, the, the sheets. <laughs> My wife got these. My wife did this. Come on. Now, now you insult my wife. <laughs> when Sam Jackson pieces uh, together who Broomhill is. Oh, yeah. Oh. And walks into, he just like, hey, he's got a smile on his face. And he goes through that swinging door or whatever. And then yeah. into that boom, boom, he turns into the devil. It's, I mean, it is just snap of a finger. There's so many the stories behind, like, when DiCaprio Ooh. is smashing his hand on the table and yeah. there's actual blood on his hand. Yeah. And he just yeah. commits to the character doesn't want to break and that's what the cut that makes it in Oof. yeah the study of phrenology like that's a real science the, the <laughs> people's heads and shit determine their character and who they are it's great stuff it's yeah great stuff it's one of tarantino's best in my opinion yeah you're right dude it's been a bit it's been a bit i need to pull that out and watch it at some point um okay so what's your that's your two so that my two is right that was your two yeah. okay so then my two is the john wayne one uh the rescuers literally in the title of searcher sorry the searcher, the searcher. i was gonna say the rescuers <laughs> did he go down under is that what he did he did the third version sorry about that. there's a searchers man it's fucking hot i sweat my nuts off i'm sorry the searchers yeah. yes the searchers um such a great movie um <laughs> It's John Wayne uh, getting a bunch of people together to save his uh, uh, gra- uh, god- granddaughter, I think. Yeah. Or no, a uh, friend's daughter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's friends that like he returns from war. Yeah, yeah. A niece. I think it's his niece. His niece. And something. And basically yeah. he's going to get her back yeah. or kill her if she's been. Right. Turned. Turned yeah, into yeah. a savage. So supposedly, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. And so this is a film that is just incredible. And it is still my number one favorite Western. Um, and it qualified for the for this list because mm-hmm. you know it is a rescue. They're trying to rescue, or as Matt said, kill 
depending on how they find what condition they find her in Natalie Wood's character. And so um, you I deal with a that very, be, huh? I said a little, I know that'd be Robert Wagner's job. <laughs> okay. Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, so you're on that camp. I don't even know. I just know that that's the rumor. <laughs> Although he's still now listed as a person of interest as of, uh, Oh no, I know the late 2010s. They reopened the investigation or some shit. Yes. As I told you before, my girlfriend's sister is the coroner down here in San Diego, and uh-huh. she has friends who are coroners in L.A., and they are super pissed about having to reopen the case because there are plenty of suspicious deaths that they've never solved. But because this is a fucking celebrity, well, who yeah. gives a shit now? Who gives a fuck? What are you going to put Robert Wagner in jail at 80-something or 70-something years old? Who gives a shit? Like, it was Hollywood people doing Hollywood things. Neither Walken nor Wagner can, you know, say one thing or the other. And there's no evidence to prove anything. And I don't know why this fucking matters. Because I guarantee you. Okay, enough public pressure. And then. From who? Who is public pressuring these people? I don't know anybody. No idea. Yeah. There's a Natalie Wood Foundation. It's ridiculous. So. Um, but whatever, it is what it is. Uh, I get that people want to know, but there are plenty, plenty of unsolved murders, unsolved drownings that could uh, have suspicious stuff around them that they could be spending time that are more current than something happened back in the 1980 or 81, whatever it was. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> not to take your Robert Wagner joke in a different direction, but um, anyway, just a great film. And he's an how can I say he's a difficult protagonist to like because he is racist and he yeah. is clearly a uh, reminiscent of the old West and uh, he's out of date. Um, and that's why the opening and the ending is so perfect. The opening is the door opening to him standing there. And the ending is the door closing on him. The old way of the West as we progress forward pa- from that mentality. And we should be progressing forward from that mentality. Uh, and so, but watching him carry out this mission, you could argue it is the harder edge that he carries. It is the judgmental edge. It is the willingness to do the ugliest things in order to achieve the goal of finding her that is necessary for a mission like this. So you, you're having a lot of uncomfortable conversations with yourself as you're watching the movie. And I love that. It's challenging, um, which is what makes it a film that's elevated of the Western genre. It is overall just a fantastic movie that happens to be a Western. Um, and the, moment when he finds her and the reaction and back and forth it's great so good yeah if he wasn't a terrible human being i don't think yeah. that movie is watchable yeah i agree it becomes a run-of-the-mill western it becomes yeah and then western. looking back on it and be like man you know it's bigoted mm-hmm. and its portrayal is insensitive and it still has the insensitivity yeah but because the mirror is reflecting back on you know those that are making the audience whoever you say this is yeah. the image of yeah. uh, i think it, it helps it stand up to the test of time a little bit better than yeah a number of its contemporaries all right so your number one is the pun from earlier huh oh interesting. All right. the martian go ahead I mean. look if we didn't have the actual astronauts going back then i would have right no included another tom hanks film <laughs> you know with Matt Damon. Uh no. Oh. Another space oh. Tom Hanks film. Oh, I see. I would not have included that. 
Well, you have all the people that's on the ground. Shooting film. That's not a rescue film in my mind. Says, says the guy that somehow is extending the definition of rescue to Terminator Two. I mean, that's he's literally sent back to rescue them. That's he's that's sent back to protect goal. them, oh. not to rescue them. Rescue them from them. the T one thousand. I now now we're talking about vantage point of how we're viewing this problem. And it is to protect, but that's fine. I, it's your uh, list. That's right. If you want to call it rescue, he, he it's rescues your list. Rescue. It's your list. Uh, yeah, but it's just like there's no other act, humans actively physically going to help them. Right. Whereas in Martians, like if they don't have that slingshot of the spaceship coming back around, they, they have to commit, look, if you're going to do this, it's going to add another year or whatever the case is to yeah. your overall flight time of being up in space and everybody has to sign off on doing it. Yeah. Um, and do it basically without NASA's okay. Right. Uh, to initiate the plan, take over the actual control because NASA doesn't really notice until the telemetry is off. And right. Try and get them to do a course correct and be like, Oh yeah, we course corrected. <laughs> Don't get it. To go wrong. back and do this. Um, but it's a tour de force performance from Matt Damon. Oh, absolutely. Hands you know, it, it's his castaway or whatever, where you're just kind of with this one dude. Hands and down. he has the plot device of he's telling all this into, you know, a laptop camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking directly to the audience. But it's a it's a whole lot of fun. It's very informative. Yeah. Um, science the shit. Science is the shit out of this. Yeah. yeah. Using an ASCII table yeah. and uh, the, the international law making him a pirate uh, and all kinds of just random little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it's a fantastic movie with a, an amazing, huge, diverse cast. Yeah. 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 Again, Jessica Chastain again, uh, Ridley Scott again, you know, cause he did black hawk down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the cast is fantastic. You know, Donald Glover's in the cast. Um, Kristen Wiig, of all people's in the cast. Um, Kenzie Davis, a number of other people. Yeah, Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels. Sean Bean, right. Chuatel uh, Ejiofor. Ejiofor, right, right, right. Um, you said Chastain, uh, Michael Pena. Pena, yes. Uh, Sebastian Stan. Oh, I forget he's in this. Yeah, he's one of the astronauts. Shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's up there. Uh, let's see. Is there anyone else? Do you say Mara? Mara Rooney? Mara's. Or Rooney. Uh, Kate uh, Mara. Do you mean Kate Mara or Mara Rooney? Uh, the, the girl that uh, was on House of yeah, Cards. It's Kate the same. Mara. Yeah, Kate yeah, Mara. Yeah. yeah. Who does she play? Is that his wife or girlfriend? No, she's one of the astronauts as well. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. I believe it's Kate Mara. Oh, and Benedict Wong, of course, as the JPL yeah. guy. JPL right? guy. Yeah, I yeah, forgot about right. that. Uh, let's see. That. That's right. Anybody else? I think we covered everybody that of no, of note. Oh, Nick Muhammad from Ted Lasso's in this thing. Okay. Oh, is he one of the JPL guys? I think so. I do. Tim Grimes. I don't remember him in the movie, but yeah. It's been a bit since I've seen it, to be fair. Um, yeah, those are the only people I see um in the film that have, that we would know. So I love the shot of right before he's about to blast off and you know, they're setting up all the different points. Yeah. But when he checks in with them over comms, right. 
it's the first time he's heard a human voice in a year and a half or whatnot. <laughs> but he had been doing the movie solo for so long right. that he had just assumed it was going to be somebody else. And it was the actual actors in his earpiece. Yeah. And it helped fuel that emotional moment for him. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, that's my number one. Okay. Uh, my number one is um, Star Wars, A New Hope. Uh, they, go for it. They're rescuing the princess, Princess Leia. The whole thing, you know, you're, you're my only hope, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan trains Luke, Lucas with Han, and they're trying to save the princess, uh, who is Leia, who is captured there on the Death Star. They do save her. She also has a hand in her own saving with them. Uh, and eventually they get off the uh, base and Luke destroys the Death Star. So that is a rescue film to me. The whole point of her sending the message is to get Obi-Wan's help. And then she's taken and now they have to rescue her. Um, and Homie even gets a kiss out of it, which is really uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah. So and that's a classic film. And I put it at the top because. Obviously, it's a film that is well-beloved and changed filmmaking as we know it, changed the idea of summer movies as we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's, an, it's still a very, very enjoyable film that holds up and uh, still has some strong messages. And if you want to remember, strip away all the Star Wars fandom toxicity that can exist sometimes and go all the way back to the beginning, it's a film that reminds you why people fell in love with this franchise purely from the first place. And uh, I love that. And the, and the rescue mission is great, full of jokes, full of um, near misses in near deaths and death-defying um, actions that they have to take in order to survive. So there you go. That's my number one. There you go. Boom. Um, all right. Well, there are two lists. Yes, sir. We'll need to combine the two. Let's put this together. Between us. I'm rosining up the drums. Okay, so I would assume the Martian would be number one. Martian, yeah, I think so, yeah. That's a one three. Okay. Let's see. Then we both have Blackhawk. Yeah. Bone Tomahawk and Argo. Those are my eight, nine, and ten in order. Uh, I guess we're going to have to go backwards, back and forth. Yeah, a little bit. So I would say Blackhawk next, and then we'll start doing the back and forth. Because that's a four or eight. Sounds good. That seems legitimate. The other one is a a seven, nine, and a ten, ten. So. I'm with going a little bit lower. So your number one is Star Wars? Yep. A New Hope. Um, all right. What do you have at two? The Searchers. All right, so it's the Searchers versus Django. Oh, my God. Two Westerns going at it. I love it. Coin flip for the ages. Or did you want to use your weighted coin? No, no. God forbid. Go ahead. Listen, go ahead. I'm, I'm no That's fine. Fine. Grab your coin. No, Grab I, your no. coin. No, you do it. I, I like being the queen. Okay. I have no problem with that. Alright, hold on. As you can see, the queen here. Superman here. He is the queen. Let's flip it. Son of a bitch. It's the queen. 
Good old Django. <laughs> followed by the searchers. So that's one through five done. Okay. Would you like to do, say, Bone Tomahawk at six since we have that in common? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. I am fine if we just want to keep Argo at 10. Yeah, I'm good with that, too. Um, all right, what's your next highest? I have my three. Uh, let's see. We have Star Wars New Hope, The Searchers, The Martian. T2, I think, is my next highest at four. So Okay. So the last of the Mohicans. And then T2. Okay. Um, so I have my five. I have my five. All right. So whoever wins this, they get their last movie on, and then all right, the last position will go to Argo. So you this flip, is you can flip this one, or should okay. I flip? No, it you, go ahead. you got the coin. All right, just to balance out, just to be fair. So Batman versus Superman. Here we go. It is not your day. It Son is not of your bitch. day. Big trouble. Damn it. We can't ramble off the list, you bastards. There we go. Oh, all right. Let's do this thing. The top 10 rescue movies. Yeah. At number 10. Argo. At number nine. Big Trouble in Little China. At number eight. Terminator 2. At number seven. The Last of the Mohicans. At number six. Bone Tomahawk. At number five, The Searchers. At number four, Django Unchained. At number three, Star Wars. At number two, Black Hawk Down. And our number one rescue movie is... Is The Martian. The Martian. Good stuff. A lot of good films, man. A lot of good films. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the new movie is good. Yeah. Uh, uh, looking forward to it. It was on my anticipated list, so uh, yeah. fingers crossed it's enjoyable. And <sighs> yeah, I had to turn I down think... a screening for it tomorrow night just so I could see Nope. So I want to see Nope. So. Yeah, Nope will do better for your channel, probably. But I'm looking forward to that one too, man. I hope it's good because I like that story. I saw the documentary and I want to see how they do the interpretation of it fictional. I mean, what do you uh, movie wise as opposed to the documentary? So. Very yeah. good. Um, all right. Well, that is this week's show. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everybody that joined us. Yes. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Top Ten Show. That's all spelled out. Otherwise, on uh, Instagram and YouTube, it is forward slash The Top Ten Podcast with the number 10. So you can hit us up at either of those. And uh, if you like, you can follow me at Matt Nost and check out my other uh, podcast called Settle the Score. Just search for that anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. There you go. Uh, and as for me, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch, and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says, and my other podcasts, the uh, Cinephiles and the Geek Buddies. And um, when is this coming out? Next Tuesday? Next Tuesday. All right. Never mind. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Comic Con coverage um, you that we did on my channel if you haven't subscribed. Um, but yeah, that's it. So, uh, all right. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the Top 10 Show. Peace. Ooh.